So what about a land acknowledgement? From the gr dramatically grandiose to the whimsical and almost cynical mention of space, territory, and occupants of traditional lands, have you ever wondered how Indigenous people felt after listening to the recital of space at this time? Members of the FMPN come together to begin a conversation. Hello. Uh, my name is Emma Jo. I am in Tlacatum, and my pronouns are she, her. I'm Leona Antoine. Uh, I am also in Tlacatum. Uh, I'm zooming in from the unceded territories of the Musqueam, Squamish, and Tsleil-Waututh peoples. Ani Buju. Uh, my name is Liz, and I'm um, Mama Winini. Algonquin Nishnabig, happy to be here today. Calling, coming into you from the uh, where uh, the unceded and unsurrendered traditional territories of the Lakota people. One of my uh, first thoughts around um, the land acknowledgement, and I've I've heard them a number of times before, but it never really struck home with me about um, what does it really mean to me and how does it really sit with me until one of my colleagues said, I'm doing a workshop in your territory. How, how should a land acknowledgement um, be constructed? And I kind of laughed at first and I was like, why are you asking me? Um, I'm not, I'm not even there. And a land acknowledgement isn't something that is, um, that's regularly practiced in our territory, as far as I knew at that point in time. Um, so part of the conversation that she had with others uh, I guess who invited her to go was around um, like, what will you say? Will you do opening remarks or something? It was for a workshop that she would be uh, facilitating. And so I took that, I took that home and I was, I was like, well, I mean, if you feel compelled to do a land acknowledgement, then do one by all means. But it's not a practice. It's not a traditional practice as far as I knew. And so I went home and I asked my dad, like, does a land acknowledgement happen? Like, what does that even sound like? And so that was kind of my springboard into the, how do you feel about a land acknowledgement? And I think from there, um, led me to think more about what does that actually mean to me. In the first cohort with um, the First Nations Pedagogies Network, uh, one of my colleagues in the cohort brought that forward as something that she'd been thinking about as well. And I think we thought about it for, for a bit. And um, at our first first uh, presentation to the world, feels like, um, 
we had asked the, uh, I don't know what Graham's title is. We had asked the Graham Giles <laughs> if he would do a land acknowledgement for us because as Indigenous um, peoples and as part of the practice down here on the coast, you would have a speaker who would kind of introduce the work that was about to happen. Um, and so it just kind of took a baby step there. And I still feel like there's a lot of work that needs, maybe needs to be done. I'm not even quite sure because I know that the land acknowledgement doesn't sit well with me sometimes and other times is not so bad. I really, I really appreciated um... I think it's interesting where you're starting from, Leona, and I really appreciated the the resource that you forwarded because I think it's really thorough that um, you know that uh, nativegovernance.org uh, um, resource. It it starts it starts with you know the key components uh, start. This says why am I doing this land acknowledgement? You know. Um, and and if 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 the hope is to inspire others to take action, uh, you're on the right track. I think that that was you know like that was the the thing that I reflected on when I was looking at like a written the written land acknowledgement that I had had been using for the last few years. I realized like it doesn't actually state uh, what I'm committed to, you know, and I think that. When I hear, you know, land acknowledgements that kind of fall flat, it's it, it's because it's a ticky box, you know, it's because it's like, well, this is what everyone's doing right now. So I guess we're going to have to do this. Um, so uh, it's it's being sometimes it feels like it's being done out of a sense of obligation or guilt or that this is the current trend, you know, but in terms of um, in terms of actual action, you know, there's ongoing colonization and ongoing oppression, ongoing genocide. So what are people willing to do about about the, the fact that they're uninvited guests in unsurrendered territories? That's true. Um, when I was looking, um, I'd actually been searching for some time for a land acknowledgement that sat right with me. As I attend different workshops and different conferences, it's always interesting to hear what other people's land acknowledgement sounds like. I think, I think and I know that sometimes the land acknowledgement or the piece that doesn't sit well with me the most is the insertion of non-Indigenous persons' own family history into a land acknowledgement. And for a long time, I was like, what is that? What, like, what is that? What does that mean? Why does one feel compelled to insert their family's origin into a land acknowledgement and I, I think um, looking at the native governance uh, webpage explained a 
bit about allyship and what does that mean? What does that look like? And what are some of the thoughts around inserting your own history into a land acknowledgement? Um, so it was, it was worth the read and worth the share for other people to look at. Because if it's not sitting well with me, it must also impact others. I think for me, when land acknowledgement started to be more commonplace, there was this, there was a moment of, of celebrate, of celebration, not acknowledgement, maybe a little bit of excitement even, where I'm like, wow, they know how to say Intlacam. They're not calling us Thompson people anymore. And um, this idea that, well, maybe people are trying to learn the histories and trying to learn the stories of the place that they're on, but it becomes a point, and I think you both mentioned it, where it's really performative. And for me, for a land acknowledgement to be successful, it needs to be uncomfortable. They need to acknowledge colonial histories, um, displacements, dispossessions, and um, the colonial actions that went into the formation of these institutions that are making these land acknowledgements. One of the questions that came up for me when I was reading the nativegovernance.org website link that you sent to us, Leona, is I was wondering, I was looking at all of the different ways that it encourages people to take action, doing things like supporting Indigenous organizations by donating time or money and uh, supporting Indigenous-led grassroots change movement and campaigns and encouraging others to do so and committing to returning land. And I was thinking, I was wondering what it, when we have this conversation, what you would all think about how that looks like, how how you've seen that happening in some places, or if you've seen that happening in some places in the world of early uh, learning and childcare. And if you haven't, like where you see uh, opportunity for that, like, or what you what you would envision that looking like in the world of, of, uh, of early learning centers. I have this great big dream that there would come a time where people would truly invest in children, in family supports, uh, linked to childcare. One of the centers uh, that I work at has been in community for over 20 years. In those 20 years, like 100 children per year pass through the doors. 20 years have gone by. They must now be adults. They must now be maybe in... Um, other learning institutions. Early childhood inspires and grows people who become members of society. We already invest in, in society from when children are children. They grow up to be maybe other educators, maybe 
transit workers, maybe uh, laborers, maybe um, technicians, maybe scientists, maybe politicians. I don't <laughs> great big dreams for all the children who pass through our programs. But they all have a future. They all contribute to society as they grow up. I have this great big dream that society would say childcare is a really great place and they contribute to our workforce and we should also contribute back. So I could see like electricians possibly providing support back into um, childcare by like, hey, we're training our students and we have a Red Seal supervisor. We're just coming by to see if you need any work done in your childcare program or um, like chefs in the field, like we're training our Red Seal students and we'd like to cook a meal for your children and families at Thanksgiving or at Christmas or on a Friday. So I really see maybe long-term, maybe not so long-term, that the investment in childcare would be something that it's not today. I think for me, my background is in uh, language revitalization and language revitalization programming and efforts. For me, it would look like the ability for our programs to be in and on the land in a way that of avenues, um, there's restrictions around um, taking children onto the land. There's restrictions on getting into certain areas of that were commonly used for millennia, for generations and generations, and now it's a logging road with a with a gate at the entrance. So. I think part of it would, part of the reconciliation that could accompany land acknowledgements is the idea that for families and us to support families to be on the land, we can't restrict access and use to traditional use areas. And we need to reclaim those areas and reteachings around sacred spaces and traditional gathering methods, hunting methods, and use and for us to be removed and barred from those spaces really impacts and accelerates the loss of the teachings that even the generation one, two generations before us would have had. I, I was thinking as you were both talking about, you know, how we've all seen the gross inequity in terms of what you just referred to, Emma, Emma Jo, like, like, but access across the board to all things, you know, like the fact that Shauna is bringing in the question of food 
food security uh, and, and food sovereignty. The Lido TV link that um, had all those quite quite funny examples of, of land acknowledgements gone awry. Uh, in that same episode, I was just like uh, watching parts of it that I hadn't seen. I hadn't watched the whole 30 minutes. I just watched the section on land acknowledgements yesterday, Leona. And so then I watched like earlier parts of it and there's there's one part of it, I don't know if you saw it, where <laughs> the, the host is doing ASMR and she's talking about, as, as she's doing ASMR, she's talking about the uh, ongoing colonization, essentially, like issues such as funding issues, the fact that Indigenous children um, receive 40% less funding than uh, non-Indigenous children in this country, the so-called Canada, and um, that leads to lesser access to all kinds of things, but who is truly aware of that outside of the Indigenous communities that we live, work, and serve in? If childcare centres were aware, and, and in that awareness, there was like conversation about it. I think that people, people, the, the awareness of, of these inequities is, is something that needs to be brought into all, all, all worlds. And if children are really going to understand inequity and if we have a hope of putting an end to colonization and and ensuring that children have all have access to clean drinking water and all have access to healthy food and beyond that also their indigenous children's right to healthy traditional foods that would be a good starting point but is there a way that we can bring that into the conversation with other early childhood educators I sometimes feel like the diversity of living in a big city uh, is sometimes not the same as living in a smaller community. I think um, the knowledge of what Indigenous people have access to has a negative light shone on it. Like it just has bits and pieces of what Indigenous people might have access to that gets a lot of attention, like free education or a free house or that Indigenous people suffer from addictions. Um, so I almost feel like living in a big city where like two steps behind looking at positive possibilities for Indigenous children, families, and communities. Uh, so sometimes I feel like, yes, there are struggles with some families or some people with addictions, but not every family. Not every family struggles with addictions. Not every family is below the poverty line. Not every family didn't make it through high school. Like, I feel like the negative light is always shone where there are lots of positive things that take place out in Indigenous communities, in mainstream communities, in like high schools, in uh, learning institutions, that there are also many success stories too. And I feel like I need to find a healthy balance of... Um, portraying that into the community. One thing that I find that land acknowledgements as they are, are lacking is that they don't tell the story. 
and the stories that Leona alluded to, the celebrations and the challenges and the difficulties, to just acknowledge that you're on the land of certain um, Indigenous peoples really removes an aspect of understanding the story. And like you said, Liz, it makes it a ticky box where you're kind of done, where they think they feel that the land acknowledgement is done at that point. And then you don't have to learn anymore. And to truly be in a way where we can have land acknowledgements that disrupt colonial systems or start to disrupt or start to think about disrupting colonial systems, we need, as the people doing land acknowledgements, need to learn the story and they need to tell the story and be uncomfortable with the story because the story of colonization in Canada, the ongoing story of colonization in Canada is a harsh one and it's disturbing and it's hard and it's hard to speak to, but it needs to be known by people, especially in institutions like education that were built out of colonial constructs and reinforce colonial constructs in the work that we do as educators. I see that uh, Carolyn has joined us. <laughs> Welcome, Carolyn. Oh, hi. Yeah, sorry I'm late. Um, but yeah, it's Carolyn here. Thanks for the invite. When you were talking, Emma Jo, I was thinking about, like, I've heard, you know, land acknowledgements in, in institutional settings and often wondered, like, I, I wonder if I'll ever see any of these people, if they'll ever be, like, at the next rally for the salmon or, you know, when we're when we're marching for MMIW when will I see these people who are acknowledging the land standing standing with the Indigenous community to take action? And if if those land acknowledgements uh, were accompanied by that type of action, I kind of wonder if maybe they would start to shift the nature of the land acknowledgement. I attended one conference as a presenter, and it was kind of early on in my um, in my journey and my pathways in um, what we're doing with the FNPN. And uh, and they had sent out in the presenter packet all sorts of information, right? You know, you need to know about Zoom logins and things like that. But they also sent out a page on um, land acknowledgements and kind of a script. And uh, I was reading over it and it was pretty standard in that say which um, the traditional names of the indigenous peoples whose land you're on and then they managed to slide in something that just absolutely floored me because the next line was and share a fun fact about the indigenous peoples or the community that you live in and I was like wait what and that's how they worded like fun or interesting fact and I'm like oh, they missed the mark on this one. They missed the mark so hard on what and why land acknowledgement should be done. And I still think about it all the time. And it was something that I did bring to the organizers and they did in a kind of mediocre way address it. 
with in an email to the presenters, but I didn't quite understand how that had gotten that far. If there had been any Indigenous peoples on the organizing committees or anything, that wouldn't have gotten that far. So how is it that we have these conferences hosted by these institutions that don't have any consultation with Indigenous peoples at all so that something like that could happen? Lots of interesting um, organizational uh, missed step or misinformation, maybe. Uh, one of the things that I was thinking about as you were speaking, Emma and Joe, was around um, like how did how did we get here? How did we get to this point in time where the land acknowledgement is so different and varied and accepted in a lot of different ways? And it just made me remember part of the conversation that I was having somewhere along my uh, understandings of the land acknowledgement was around um, like once upon a time where people used to say, I want to thank the, this nation for allowing me to come here and present this yada, yada, yada. And it always made me think, did they actually go to chief and council or to the hereditary chief or to whomever, like to the band office or to the elders or to anybody on, on the territory and say like, um, like knock, knock, knock. Hi, it's it's me. I'm here to facilitate this workshop on um, best childcare practices or whatever you know, whatever the workshop is. But did they actually go and ask permission to say, "This is what I want to present to people living in this community and people working in this community." for them to think about and digest and then maybe implement in your community? Like, did they actually go and ask the permission? Did they follow those protocols that I imagine, because uh, um, I didn't always live in my community, but I imagine would have been a visitor's or a, a leader's practice in, asking permission to come to present this information like was that actually done because I don't imagine that like even now I haven't gone to any of the surrounding chief and council or band office or elders to say I'm going to talk about land acknowledgement how do you how do you feel about that like these are some of the things that I'm going to say um I haven't presented them with any information that I'll be talking about today. I haven't gone to say, um, is it okay? Like, how do you feel about me doing this? So for others, for me to get up and say, I just want to thank the people of the territory for allowing me to come here. 
when I haven't gone through that process of asking the permission to do that in the first place. So that was one of the things that I was thinking about as you were speaking, Emma, about where do we get our information and how do we practice? Where do we learn how to do these things? And if you're not speaking to the people of the territory, then who are you asking? Um, it's Carolyn, sorry. Um, but like, I like what you said, Leona, like at the end is like, it's complicated, but I don't see how complicated it is when you said that the thinking the people that the land that you're on if we didn't ask permission to be there i was just uh telling liz yesterday how when we go up to this in where i come from is the okanagan and we go digging and we pick and there's this uh forestry road that we go up and we get our tea but if we've never been up there we put ash on our cheeks and is a way of being like even in our own hair toy, like it's like I've never, whoever's never been up to this spot, this is what we do, like these protocols, this like, like make our presence known that we've never been here to the plants, the land, to the creator, just because we might not know where to step, we might do something we're not supposed to do. But this is this is what we do on there. But I can't imagine just going like wandering around in someone else's territory, being like, "Thanks for letting me come here and and do these things." But I like what you brought up was the asking the permission, like who do you, who do you ask? I think right now, like I'm on the Stolo, and I say I think because I'm not quite sure because that's what the website told me. But this is the Stolo people. It's in Richmond. And I'm still trying to figure that out because I don't want to acknowledge the that if that's not true. So I'm still trying to figure whose land I'm on. Um, but that's just what I have to say for now. That's a beautiful teaching of your people, Carolyn, to, you know, that people introduce themselves to the land, even in their own territories. I've heard elders talk about that, about how you introduce yourself to parts of the earth where your feet have never walked and you and, and you can say this is why I'm here so that the land you know will know why why you're there and that whole building relationship with the land when it comes to land acknowledgments if we're acknowledging the territories like I I also wonder like if an underlying understanding of the importance of having a relationship with the land whichever territories you're on of, of ensuring that that's there and that that's solid and the other piece I was thinking about as you were talking earlier Leona is the whole issue of you know authentic relationship like the like the website mentions building authentic relationships with indigenous people in the territories in which you live in the world of education I think too long there's been this effort to like divest oneself of like some sort of political affiliation it's not a political act to stand with people to protect species that are being decimated. It's not a political act to stand for the preservation of the land and the salmon and the waters. It's an act of being human. It's it's an act of you know wanting to ensure that our relatives are protected for future generations and or have an opportunity to thrive. So that relationship building piece that you refer to, Carolyn, that's really critical. 
I think sometimes um, the act and the art of being courageous is something that I know that it's something that I've had to build on because I also come from a time of children should be seen and not heard and when you're in somebody else's space this is how you should carry yourself uh, so I don't think that the act and the art of being courageous was something that was necessarily instilled on on me taking up space taking up time but is something that I've learned in my experiences with my own children in childcare, and not always has a female Indigenous voice been something that was accepted as having worthiness maybe of taking up time. So it, I mean, in this space and time is more accepted maybe than 20 years ago or than 30 years ago uh, because it wasn't necessarily something that you heard about. Uh, but I feel like it's more accepted today. One thing I find, and I think that we've all kind of touched on it, is that from different different ways of knowing come different understandings of what the land is and the, what the land is to us. And for me to proper, properly acknowledge the land, like we mentioned, to be in, on, and with the land is different than standing on a podium or a stage saying, I'm standing on this spot. It used to belong to these people, right? So by not understanding what it is in this relationship that Indigenous communities and Indigenous peoples have to the land that they exist with, I don't know if land acknowledgements can ever be entirely in line with a reconciliational relationship between Indigenous peoples and other institutions. Last year when I was uh, working on the a mentorship course for LOT. I had the privilege of interviewing an elder that was uh, referred to me by the advisory Annie Major. And I think the question I asked her was, "How can children build a relationship with the land? How can how can ECEs encourage children to build a relationship to the land?" And she said, well, "Take them to the water and have them int introduce themselves to the water." get them to tell the water their name and if they don't know how then show them how and i think that's a that's a, a that's a beautiful teaching because unless children are raised within a strong indigenous community they will not have had that experience i did not have that experience as a child nobody told me that as a child that was something i had to learn as an adult to build a relationship to the land and ultimately that's that's what heal you know is healing if children can be given that if they have lived without it that would make a profound difference in how they acknowledge the land and then the next step if they are not indigenous or if they are indigenous and not living in the territories you know in their traditional territories would be 
for them to know. I mean, I, I'm curious. I don't, I don't actually know uh, how many places are giving children a strong connection to that understanding. I know that the urban Indigenous centers that I've been into are. The children that I work with currently all know uh, whose territories they are living in. Uh, they know their own nations, what nations they're descended from. And they're being given the tools to uh, build relationship to the land. You know, they're being encouraged to have a reciprocal relationship with it. And I am curious to know, outside of our Indigenous early learning centers and urban Indigenous uh, early learning centers, what I, I'm curious what is happening in other places. And I wonder if anybody knows. I don't know. I don't know what happens in other centers. And it made me think about, as you started talking about children knowing who they are and where they come from as being something that's practiced in the centers that you've been to, uh, made me think about the, there's a school associated with the center that I have worked in before. And the kindergarten teacher came for a visit and said, so we have some friends who are going to come over to the big people's school what kinds of things might they know already and so I said well that might know some things but what is it that you want them to know when they come to you and so we started talking about you know the posting of heritage and birthdays and pictures on cubbies etc oh well if they come knowing their heritage where they come from that would be fantastic but they don't need to know that until they're in grade four and it was like what like everybody needs to know where they come from if you don't know where you come from then you're you're lost like everybody has a place to call home um but it wasn't something that they really thought about uh until they were in grade four and so the, I feel like the school maybe doesn't have the same importance or the same connection outside of ECE. Who has that shared importance of having connection to the land and knowing where you come from? I don't know that this is entirely related, Leona, but your encouragement in that regard brought to mind a story that my neighbor told me. She took her children to the salmon hatchery a few falls back when falls falls ago when her son was about just turned five, and they were looking at the salmon and watching you know them come up the river. And uh, he said, "I think Liz would really like this." Out of the blue, and she said, "Oh, yeah, why?" And he said, "Well, she's First Nations, and First Nations people are friends with the salmon." When I heard that story, I wished I'd been there because it made me curious to know, like, what more does he know? Like, does he know which First Nations people were here? It certainly warmed my heart because I thought that not many years ago, a five-year-old child who wasn't Indigenous wouldn't have said that not many years ago. So it gave me hope that maybe things are starting to shift. That's a lovely story, Liz. Thank you for sharing. As Indigenous people, I don't, like, it's interesting to see, like, the shift of, like, non-Indigenous people take up the space and make the space for land acknowledgements, because it does 
leave room for insertion of themselves to make themselves the center and kind of removing or trying to remove some of the context of the portents of why we're knowledge of the land um but even like thinking about like when I speak about elders when I not when I speak about elders when I hear elders speak like even long before this time in my life uh they always did make the space to acknowledge where they came from and who they were and the land they came from so it's interesting to see it's it's always interesting to see it unfold in non-indigenous spaces speak about like the holding space and then having space and then how it's bridging in settler contexts. I think the piece that I always go back to is the intention of land acknowledgement and it's not for us as people it's for us to get really reconnected to the land, reconnected to our ancestors, really make that visible in the sense that we're acknowledging out of respect and our responsibility and our um and to be following appropriate protocols within our nations to really recognize um and you, not just respect in the words it's respect from your heart so your heart has to be aligned with your words and it's not just a fast-paced checklist it's not a thing that you can do just to say okay i'm being indigenous or um, I'm following this. It's it has to come from that real, true um, awareness of self within being able to connect to the land and ground yourself. And when you do that, you you it's like you're rooting yourself to the land right away. It's inviting more ancestors to come and be part of that circle. So it changes the the environment of the group, and it changes. Um, what could shift and happen within a meeting or a circle or a conversation, it sort of just creates this awareness that we're all connected in some form. And that interconnection is really important because we disconnect quite a bit a lot of the time and to really trying to reconnect, reconnect, reconnect through acknowledgement of land really helps to, to open ourselves up to to more ideas that comes through our ancestors. And from that non-Indigenous place, I think that really recognizing where you're at within that spectrum of knowing Indigenous knowledge and how do you do it in a way that you can start to bridge um, and um, create allyship with, with working with Indigenous communities and thinking about resurgence of Indigenous knowledge. I will acknowledge that territory right away and that's really important to me and um, my late grandmother also spoke to me about you know gathering medicines on the land it has to come from our territory and then if you go into someone else's territory you have to be invited and there should be someone that's from that territory to be able to gather medicines so even if you're picking blackberries and that stuff like you think oh they're just there no, it's also just that respect for the land and whose territory you're on. So I just really want to acknowledge that acknowledgement in the land doesn't just stop within meetings or circles. It's it's about daily life as well. And then also in thinking about how our relationship occurs when we're on the land as well, even passing through. That's really 
um, another step to building that that place of reciprocal and respectful relationship and like respecting and acknowledging the land is also like bringing forth like all the energy that is on the land like how like my mom has taught me this teaching like everything has a spirit even a blade of grass a pine needle like and it's bringing all that energy forward to the meeting or to the space of gathering or like danielle just said like in your daily being in in life and walking on the land like acknowledging all the energy that is there bringing it helping you guiding you every little piece is connected right you're saying every piece is connected through the wind through the blades of grass all those pieces are all connected through that space and that time and the one thing that i feel like is also missing is the language so the language of the land so being able to also find out which language is part of that territory gives life to it gives the breath to the language and the land and that continued deep respect for um, place and from a Coast Salish perspective of where I'm from in Cowichan that would be Hall Caminum and I'm starting to begin to learn those pieces and I notice right away when I start speaking in Hall Caminum there's a real different relationship that happens and occurs. And I don't know how to explain that in a way that it's not just about learning how to speak it, it's how to be within it. And then being within it helps you deepen that relationship. And it's about relationship with the land. Um, the more that you do these land acknowledgements, you're creating more relationship. The land can hear you, your ancestors can hear you, and they can see the process that you're doing to work on your spiritual well-being and your spiritual place within the work that you need to do. And for us, it's looking after our community. It's us looking after children, right? That's a lot of our purposes. And so to invite those pieces to keep holding us to our purpose is by creating and holding space to do proper land acknowledgement. Even in practice, I would say that this would be really a vital piece for programs and educators to be able to hold space every day to invite children to really be able to sit with us and start doing this as part of circle time or welcoming just so that they can get a real clear idea of protocol and to feel strength and confidence in their identity to understand that they are connected right to that land wherever they are. I guess I'll introduce myself. I'm um, Carolyn Bono, and that's my, um, I guess, my English name. Um, still working out, like, the kinks of, like, my um, selection name. But um, I'm from the Okanagan ter Territory, Seal, and the um, Kootenai Territory, which is um, Tunaka, and they're in Cranbrook, B.C., um, Okanagan is near Penticton. Like, I guess my thoughts on land acknowledgement, and that's our topic right now. Um, I shared an email and we were talking about how important land acknowledgements are, but how I seen it was, is that land is not um, something that's like outside of like um, our beings, like it's part of us. And from where I come from, we have this really strong tie to like land, we call it Tim Hulao, and this is 
one of those things where our creation story kind of ties us into how the land and the animals and plants they were all here before us as human beings and so like our basic I guess go-to or basic teachings come from like how like we have to be respectful and learn all these protocols to be respectful because they're keeping us alive basically but we all have like a turn if we don't take care of the land and the plants and the animals in turn like we won't be taken care of so it's kind of like a reciprocity um so with land acknowledgements um i was just sharing with the group that it's just it's more for me than just being like this is whose land it is i don't think it's like an ownership um even for indigenous people to kind of have um like this 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 is our land this is who we are like i get that we have to acknowledge who's like the indigenous people that are have been you know disconnected and displaced and um all these things for from land that colonization has brought but i also feel like as soon as we take on that ownership of the land then we're just no different than um eurocentric settlers that have taught us how to be um, in this colonized way and so what I was sharing with the group is that when we go out to these places that we don't know and we don't have any like we haven't been there before we there's you know ways of making ourselves as human beings known just to be like I've never been on this part of the land like this is creator taking pity on us like if we can if we might step somewhere that's not um, supposed to be stepped on or we're not supposed to touch these things but like even just coming to Musqueam territory that's where I am in Richmond um, I actually had to find out that this is on native-land.ca the website that you find out whose land this is it actually says this is Stolo land and then it lists post Salish people but I just wasn't sure and I usually don't trust big sites like that so I reached out to my family who's from here and um they actually said no it's Musqueam territory all the way to like almost Portman Bridge and all the way down here to where it goes into Tawasan territory but just stuff like that like I think that when we do acknowledge land it should be like in a way that we're actively trying to ensure that we're saying it in these ways of just the people's who were here and not just whatever the website kind of says because I think that that's like super important like and I think we're missing the whole point if we just type it in and this is oh this is whose land it is I really feel like that's only part of the work that needs to be done and not ever stepping foot on the land itself like even just when I come from the Okanagan territory we have like a huge land base and here it's all paved over in its cities and streets and I'm like buildings and um it's kind of really hard for me to kind of even connect because I don't see any any land as it is it's just little grassy areas or parks or so that's like a learning thing for me too even it's just how do you connect with land that isn't even like there it's all just like developed over and I guess just me being like not from around here I have to also do my part too is to get to know like what the protocols are too and not just trample around and um, do these things that I don't think I would appreciate somebody doing like where I come from but I haven't even really got to talk to anybody that's from around here to even just say like hey this is who I am and this is where I'm like why I'm here 
um, I think that's another huge part is just to you know just acknowledge the fact that like we're not from here but actually do your part to make those relationships like um in person in any way you can I think is just you know just getting certain permissions even to kind of do the work we do because in my work as outdoor educator like you know we we do go to these places that I don't think we do have permission to be on but we like nobody's stopping us from doing that and I think that that's the part of the land acknowledgement that I really have to like like it, it brings a lot of tension and it I've also had to do my part to be like whose land is this and how would I get this school to start making those reciprocal respectful relationships yeah with the people that the land is that this is the proper people whose land it is and not just summing it up as Coast Salish people as well as I've heard that a lot of times too where if you don't know we just kind of generalize homogenize um, Indigenous people and I know that we're all got our own teachings and our own diversity as like that's super important just to know that as it is um I was sharing this one thing with my class and um I was talking about how um we don't have totem poles and my instructor like was like oh I didn't know that I guess I'm just part of the whole Eurocentric kind of thinking like I just didn't I just didn't know. And then so he's like, so I'm classifying indigenizing the whole like, you know, First Nations people as well. And I said, yeah, because when everyone around here, we do these decolonizing tours and stuff and at UBC and they're like, yeah, so totem poles are super important to the indigenous people. And I was like, well, not really for my people. And that's one of the first things I think about land acknowledgement. It does come with just like knowing that it's so distinct and maybe saying like this is what I've been told this is what I know and then leaving it up to being corrected if you need to be right so I think like the teacher was really humble too by saying like thanks for sharing that and I will actually not use that in my um, future presentations and stuff or just knowing that yeah I don't know a lot and I've never been to Musqueam even though we say this is Musqueam territory at UBC he's like most of the faculty and students have never even stepped foot in like Musqueam like the actual I guess reserve or don't even know anybody from there and yeah that, that kind of rings the bell too about what we were talking about land acknowledgement that's what I had to share that was the sh shorter version of my email <laughs> yeah fancy hello I'm Sheila and I am joining you from the unceded Stenamuk territory and chosen home of the Mid-Island Métis here in Nanaimo. I'm grateful to be here. So when I think about land acknowledgements, I think back a few years to when land acknowledgements were first beginning. And I looked at them and I thought, yeah, but is an acknowledgement enough? And I went and I talked to one of the elders at Vancouver Island University, Gary Manson. And I asked his opinion because I really respect what he has to say. 
he is so knowledgeable and has such experience to learn from. And he put it so so succinctly. He just said, Sheila, it has been so long that people pretended that we weren't here, that it feels good to be acknowledged, even if that's all it is, just to have our land acknowledged as ours. And for me, that was a real aha moment where it's like, okay, I will always try and do my best to acknowledge the land from my heart and think about something different each and every time. What is it that is so important about this land and the original stewards of this land, the people who have cared for it over millennia? The other thing about land acknowledgements that I think about a lot is when people turn it around and make it about themselves instead of about the land. And I've been in meetings where people are actually in tears as they make their land acknowledgement and they talk about, you know, they can only imagine how horrible it is to, you know, to go through this or to go through that. And I'm like, wow, you're really, you're really taking the focus away from the land and from everything connected to the land and really putting it on yourselves. And it, be it becomes about that individual, not about the land. And I find that concerning. Hi, my name is Shauna Mae Alec. I am from Lake Babby Nation and I am the early childhood education for Lake Babby Nation. So I service all children ages zero to six years old in the communities of Wyoming, Widat and Tachet. When it comes to land acknowledgements, it just gives that um, respect to our ancestors that have gone before us, recognizing the lands that we walked on. But um, when in terms of introducing ourselves that we, what the elder was telling me is just that you respect the land that the way that you respect yourself on how that you want to be acknowledged. So you give as much respect to the land as you do to yourself. So when you do the land acknowledgements, it's important that we acknowledge the ancestral territories. I come from Lake Babby Nation and we have five communities. And there's a lot of um, lands that are, there's like sub lands around Babine Lake. And it's important that we acknowledge the territory that we're in, the hereditary chief's lands, you know, like there's a lot around that and there's cultural protocols. So we just have to um, be mindful on what land that we are on, that we acknowledge that. And not only that, like within the Burns Lake area, we do have six nations, six, six nations around Burns Lake that we acknowledge. So it all depends on the territory that we are doing the business on or community events or anything that we acknowledge every single nation, especially with the community gatherings, National and People's Indigenous Days, um, we do that acknowledgement and we acknowledge every single nation that is there. When I introduce myself because of the land that I'm on right now and my office that I, the seated and traditional territory, 
territories of Del Casco and that's the Burns Lake Band, but I represent Lake Babi Nation. But me coming from the certain part of Lake Babi Nation, I come from Nitoats. So I give that land acknowledge, I acknowledge the land that I come from as well. Part of like truth and recon reconciliation is showing that respect and the people that, you know, you cross paths with, it's like the small acknowledgements or anything that come with that. It just shows that character of that person. Lands are, you treat them with the respect that, that you have for yourself. You know, you got to be mindful on who was walking on these lands before us. So you treat the lands and you acknowledge the lands the way that you would treat your ancestors or yourself or your grandfather, or your grandmother, you know, like you just have to have that utmost respect. And that's how I feel about it. But, you know, I'm not going to hold it against anybody on the way that they, they hold themselves. I had somebody working within the ECE field question, why do we have to do land acknowledgement? And it just kind of showed the, she's like, well, I don't feel that I need to acknowledge every single time because when I was talking with the elder she's just saying she's just like you know what it just shows her character just shows her don't take that to heart you know who you are and there's a lot of people that still need to be educated but and she's like how does that make you feel I'm like oh my my feathers are rustled up and you know I feel like telling her how it should be or how she should be talking or making sure she acknowledges and she's just like those are validating Validate, validate your feelings because of it just shows you who, how passionate and how much respect that you hold. She's just being mindful that, you know, like you're only your person. For this person to state that and that they work with children, those children are going to be affected. That's the reason why I felt the way that I did. Yes, I'm validating my feelings, but, you know, this girl needs to be educated a little bit more. My ancestral name is Klilinuch. That means um, in our Kwakula language to gather people to a potlatch or a feast. Uh, my English name is Maureen Black. I'm from the Numgis Nation. Uh, happy to be here talking about land acknowledgements. Yeah, so I, I had this parent who sent me four absolutely amazing pictures that she got um, in English Bay. She captured a, um, a seagull with a starfish in its mouth and then another type of beautiful little bird with a tiny little crab in its mouth some eagles this was just all in one walk and I've been hanging on to this picture opened it up and it started to make me think about you know we do land acknowledgements but we've omitted the air and the animals when we when we speak about land acknowledgements um and so that that picture really um, inspired me to add land, animals, water to my to my land acknowledgement as, you know, they are all interconnected. I mean, we can't have one without the other. We can't live with one and not the other. When I uh, started at the, the school districts, nobody was really putting any land acknowledgements in their signatures or talking about it. But some of the teachers um, were really interested in bringing that to their students. So I did quite a bit of work with uh, one, one uh, teacher in particular to think further than just a land acknowledgement um, that words are words, but where's the action? 
in the land acknowledgement. So it really, um, you know, inspired me to do a lot more thinking of, you know, how do I feel about a land acknowledgement? Um, you know, is just a rote thing that, you know, people go, oh, you know, here we go again. How do I feel about it as an Indigenous person? How do other, you know, maybe people of colour feel about it? So I've done quite a bit of research, um, still looking at different perspectives and, and trying to find my own. I do think it's something that um, we do need to continue, even though, you know, some people might think it's rope, but we have to challenge ourselves to change up these these uh, land acknowledgements because it's like a living document. It's not a static thing. So I had principals who would ask me to, you know, uh, put it, um, paint it on the wall. And I had to have that long discussion of, no, but this is a, a very, um, you know, flexible and, and uh, open um, statement. It's changing all the time. So that was interesting to me. Uh, I'm still changing my, my land acknowledgement as I also put myself into, you know, we do acknowledge that we're on the, you know, traditional territories of the uh, uh, <laughs> Musqueam, Squamish and Tsleil-Waututh, but it also includes a lot of urban Indigenous peoples. So do we include our urban Indigenous cousins, such as myself? Um, but not in the sense of that we lived here, but in the sense that we, um, you know, are now on this land with them, you know, recognizing that we weren't invited, um, et cetera, et cetera. So those are some of the things that I'm really thinking about when it comes to land acknowledgements. My name is uh, Hamalik Liz Williams. I am speaking to you from the Gitsan territory. I live in Kitwangah, which is known as Kitwanga BC on your map. Just a bit to speak on land acknowledgement, feeling that it's very, to me, it feels uh, like it's very important and an important um, role for me as a early childhood educator and a principal working in our community to acknowledge whose territory it is that I am working on. Even though I am Gitsan, the territory that I work on belongs to a certain clan of the Gitwanga people, which is known as the Eagle Clan. So the Lakskik territory. Um, they would say Lakskik, Lakhip. And so it relates, land acknowledgement relates a lot to who we are as Gitsan people. We live off the land. A lot of our resources come from the land in terms of teaching our children and families. So therefore, um, before we go out onto territories to harvest or to learn about uh, the territories, we have to get permission from the leader of the territory. So for me, myself, and our staff take the responsibility to do that homework and to go and find out the name of the territory, who owns the territory, what do we need to do to prepare to go on to the territory.
the territories, we need to think about the relationship building of who owns the territory that we are living on and working on because the teaching and the participation on the land will have a deeper meaning for us as Gitsan people and the children will learn the real ways of the Gitsan people. I do know that um, urban centers have uh, mentioned maybe the challenges of building relationships with uh, some of the uh, territory leaders. And I do know in terms of thinking of um, how it relates to the work that I do with children and families, I would find it very important to share the information, whether it's through a newsletter or any information on the territory with the parents so that they will understand what it is that we're doing with our children. In our ways, our children grow up learning about who owns the territories. They learn about what animals we harvest on the territory, what berries we harvest on the territory. And when we go to get permission from one of our leaders to go and say, get medicinal plants from a territory, we have to go and get permission. And what the um, leader told us is just you're granted permission. You just need to share what you harvest back to the house group that owns a territory. So our children learn to do that right away. And to us, that is acknowledging the land. That acknowledges a huge part of who owns the territory is by learning about the territory and learning about what is on the land. Not all leaders and not all owners of the territory stay the same forever. It's passed down. The name will be passed down in the territory to the next generation. So the name um, could change. It could change within a year or two years. So then we would have to update our information and begin to build relationships again with the leaders of the territory. Also, when the leader of the territory down, say down the road, they learn that we can help them in different ways, they will call upon us to go back and help them. And to us, that's our way of giving back. If they need help cleaning up their territory or they want to maybe have a school group go there and show other people what we're doing. So we, we learn to work with the uh, leaders of our communities. So to us as Gitsan people where we live, the land acknowledgement goes much deeper than um, maybe just an opening of a event. It has much more deeper meaning to us because we have to live it and our children and families have to live it in order to understand it. And that's how our laws are passed down from the generations to the generations. You cannot just go on anybody's territory without permission. And that's a very important law for children to understand living in our communities. I feel like it was a good 
first session, uh, it sounds like it might be a good finishing point for today. And we can conspire for next week. Yeah, this was fun. I, I enjoyed it. It's exciting. It's going to be cool. I like it. <laughs> awesome. Wish you all a really good day. Hope you stay warm out there. <laughs> Bye for now. Bye for now.